0: I'm very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Barbara Nordquist. Barbara is the principal at Nordquist Advisors LLC, an advisory firm that helps organizations partner effectively with dental schools and the dental educational channel to better meet their goals. This support can occur within the many areas of overlap between schools and companies, including sourcing, personal flow, continuing education support, and curricular change. A native of England, Barbara has spent over 35 years in dentistry, the last 30 years in the USA in positions of increasing responsibility focused on dental academic institutions. Prior to starting Norquist Advisors, Barbara was vice president, academic and professional relations for Cave O'Kur, responsible for both the sales and support of all InVista company products into dental educational facilities as well for enhancing the dental education process through the use of more effective and efficient tools that better integrate and facilitate student teaching and patient treatment. The products she managed range from kura consumables to CAVO equipment to digital imaging products of all types. During her time, sales to academic institution has grown tenfold. Barbara was the first non-dentist invited to participate in the ADEA Leadership Institute, graduating as a fellow in 2011 and named class president by her fellow classmates. The ADEA Leader Institute is a fast-track educational program for deanship candidates in dental schools. And in 2014, Barbara was named one of the top 25 women in dentistry. Dr. Barbara actively mentors at dental schools and within the industry. She has a passion for giving back and supporting individuals in all aspects of dentistry. Barbara supports the CF charities, an organization that helps individuals in underserved communities develop the education experience to pursue careers in the dental industry. She builds teams and organizations and is unsurpassed when it comes to communication, professional relations, and creating partnerships with a keen understanding of the industry. Barbara has a passion for continuous improvement, diversity, and inclusion, and enjoys a good challenge. However, first and foremost comes her family, friends, and her appreciation for the people she works with and who have supported her throughout her career. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Ms. Barbara Nordquist. Byra, I am so excited to at least share a couple of hours with you because I know that's how much time it would take for us to get through a real conversation. But literally, I've been looking forward to our interview all day because you and I have known each other for quite some time. I find it absolutely wonderful to share time with you because you you have so much passion around the industry and around what's good for the students and how to support our schools. So for that, I really wanted to start by saying thank you. So I'm really excited for you to be here today and would love for you to start by telling the audience about how you got into dentistry and why you're so passionate about it. Oh my goodness. Well, MJ, thank you so much for inviting
1: me. It's really my pleasure. You've had so many great women on your podcast. I feel I'm honored and thank you very much. How did I get started? Well, you know me, long story short, in my early years when I was at school, I wanted to go to nursing school for ophthalmology. In those days, which was a long time ago, you had eight weeks where you, you, you traveled with a, um, an RN and you know, you had eight weeks training and then you went into your rotations. Last week, go with my RN, I'm really, you know, gung-ho, my father's really happy, you know. And uh, they, we had to give a shot right in the, in, in the eye. I couldn't do it. And I said, I'm so sorry, I can't do this. And they said, you have to complete this. This is, you know, a requirement. So couldn't do it. I didn't know what to do. I went home, I was scared to tell my father. I'm I'm the daughter. I'm English, of course. I'm the daughter of a World War II veteran. My mother passed away. My sister and I were, kind of uh, running household things from the time we were eight, and so I was a little bit scared of dad. You know, he was old school, and I thought, what can I do? And I, I down the road from where we lived was a, a, a dental office, which had four practitioners, National Health Service, four practitioners. So I applied for the job and I got the job because they were going to send you to college, to university, they were gonna pay for it and you work there, hands on and so on and so forth. So I thought, bingo. So I went home, told my dad, and that's how I started. Wow. I did my three years, they paid for it. I also had, um, you know, I had to subsidize, you know, so I, I sold Tupperware. And that's when I thought, oh, you know, I kind of like sales, you know, maybe this is going to be good for me. So that's how I got started in dentistry in a national health service practice where like you, I wanted to excel. I did anything and everything. We did domiciliary visits. We worked in the school. We worked in the hospital. We visited homes. You know, I just wanted to do absolutely everything. And I loved, the key was I loved helping people. So I applied for dental school, but at that time I'd used three years, early years, and when I applied to the dental school in the city not far from us, the administration said, you know, who's going to employ you when you're like 28 or 30? And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, she's right. I better get on to something else. So. They didn't accept me and I was so disappointed because, you know, I always want to be Dr. Nordquist, you know, like if only I could be Dr. Nordquist. So with that, I thought, okay, well, I seem to like selling. So maybe, you know, I'll do something in sales. And so I applied for a couple of jobs. Bayer, Bayer Dental was in England at the time. I was living in England at the time. Bayer Dental, I went for an interview and because of my background, they employed me. And from there, you know, I am where I am today. It hasn't been easy, as you know. Women in dentistry, women in dental, women in sales, women in corporate, women in schools, education. It's never been easy for us. And so, but I was passionate and also You know, we didn't have much when we were young. My father gave me absolutely everything that he could, but it wasn't a lot. It was very small. Mm -hmm. So I wanted bigger and better things. And my siblings were so much smarter than me. So, and I hated school. I really did. I didn't like school. I was naughty. But, and I regretted that afterwards. (laughs) So I decided that the only way I was going to get better is I have to teach myself. You know, I really have to teach myself. So, you know, get on the job, move forward. And I made mistakes. I mean, I said things and did things that I thought afterwards, oh my goodness, that's just not the right thing to say or do. But I learned by my, my mistakes and you, you move on. So I worked for Bayer, and then a company in America asked me if. And I developed school programs in England. There's, there's not many dental schools in England. I okay. developed a great school program. I thought it was important and I love talking to the students and also talking to all of those, sorry, old faculty in those days. I'm going back to the 70s <laughs> and 80s, by the way. And, you know, like with their slides on there, you, you know, that you put the slides. Anyway, and I, it was just a challenge. So, and I, again, I was a little bit cheeky, young, inexperienced, I guess, but you know uh had a lot of energy
0: and a great personality so it took you far i'm sure
1: it was um yeah i don't know where i got that from because english people are generally conservative so weldent coltin weldent asked me if i'd come over to the united states and that was a big thing for me i'm thinking oh my goodness again back to my dad How was i going to tell him i'm going to america you know he was always talking about oh you know they stole our women in world war ii and all of that jazz so um you know i had the conversation i said dad i'm going over to america for two years oh well, you know that was awful so i came over to the united states which was a big step and a scary step and it was a different way of life for me but I thought, you know, I have to do this because you know, when I go back to England, having two years of being in the United States was awesome for me. It was a good move for me.
0: Absolutely.
1: So I came over and of course I went to Manhattan. I lived in Manhattan. Talk about being confident. I had zero confidence in Manhattan. You all spoke a different language. There was, it was noisy. I had to go down to the subway. I didn't have a car because I lived in Manhattan. So I had to, I really struggled with that a little bit, but I thought, no, I'm going to do it and you have to push forward. So I came to America. Of course, the rest is history. I've been here for 32 years. But- So you never went back. I never went back my father was devastated. Not to live. I mean, I go back two or three times a year. But no, I, ne- I never went back. They asked me to stay. I mean, you had, at that time, we had 55 dental schools in the United States. And there were very few women in sales and marketing or doing what I was doing. So a couple of things, it was when I went, would go to a school or speak to people, and I was English, it was a conversation where why are you here? What are you, what are you doing here? You know, goodness. So I was green as grass, but again, I, I made—I know I made a lot of mistakes, but learned by that. I mean, if you don't make mistakes, you don't learn, and that's that's one big thing that I'd like to tell young people: just go for it, you know, jump out of the box. If you have an idea, do not be afraid to say something. You know. I think maybe I got away with it because I was from another country or from England, you know, and I was a bit naughty and cheeky at the time. So I I don't know. At the time? At the time, well, (laughs) I thought I'd grown out of it, but maybe I haven't. But you know, it's just, when I say that, I mean, just be bold and in the nicest possible way, put forth your suggestions, you know, try and do it in a, you know, non-confrontational way, you know, I think that that's, for me, how I've learned is because I've asked questions, I've listened, I've done things for people when it wasn't in my realm of responsibility or my job, but because I have wanted to help someone and jumped out of the box, do things for other people and give back a little bit. Now, after all these years of, of learning and there's still more to learn for sure, the biggest thing for me is to, to do things for people, to go the extra mile, to do those things and go to those places where you're not getting paid for it or mm-hmm. you don't have to do it, but you do it because it's the right thing to do.
0: And it might help somebody.
1: Absolutely. The biggest thing is to help someone. I always told my boys, make someone happy every day. Mm-hmm. Go on me, go buy a friend a cup of coffee, make someone smile, do something every day to make someone smile it could be just saying hello it could be doing something bigger and better than that but you know one of my my mantras my big thing is you learn every day how not to be and the opposite side you learn every day how to be if you're in school or in a dental office, or you're just starting up and you hear someone, you think, oh my goodness, if I ever say or do that, stop me. Or you see someone doing something quite simple, quite ordinary, and you think, I'm going to do that. That's something that I need to do. Mm-hmm. So th- those are a couple of things that I've lived by, you know, and also an aunt of mine many, many, many years ago, she was, um, she was a big corporate lady back in the 50s and 60s.
0: Oh, awesome. So you did have somebody in your family that you could look up to for that.
1: I did, I did. She, a Woman in business was a secretary to start with, but became very, very big in ICI in England at that time. And she, she told me to, you know, never give up. Mm-hmm. Don't ever give up. Keep going, be bold, but polite. But remember, she said to me, and I think it may be because of my situation, she said, there's only one person that's going to take care of you. And that's you. Now, we all know our mums and dads take care of that. I mean, you know, we do anything for our children. And the younger generation need to know that. But it's quite true. I think for a woman as well, that you've got to go for it yourself. You've got to take care of yourself. And in the nicest kind, not, not being
0: selfish, but you do have to do that. That was good advice. Absolutely amazing. So you have worked for how many different companies in the United States? Because we've known each other through a couple, but not certainly not all of them. No, it sounds
1: like a lot, but I've been working for a long time. So I came over here with Whale Dent and Bernie Wiseman gave me the opportunity. So I have to make mention to him. He asked me to come over, he liked what I did, and he he, he enabled me to get my green card. So I worked for him for 12 years. And then my next big company, I worked for Ultradent, and I I learned a lot Ultradent from Dr. Fisher. Many of of the audience may know Dr. Fisher. He was a dentist. He owned a company, uh, a small company, but then he allowed me to be creative and do the things that I want to do that w- would help dental schools, dental education. And he allowed me to do that. I mean, he didn't give me everything I wanted, but he appreciated my thoughts and, you know, pushing to help dental schools and he was a dentist. So that was nice to work for Ultra Dental. I'll, I'll always be appreciative of that. We lived in Utah at the time. And then I moved back to uh, the East Coast because, you, you know, we moved to Utah. I moved back to the east coast and worked for a company uh, called Discus Dental for five years. They wanted me to develop a program for them, and I worked for them, and I again loved working for them. Very different company, work for the group and to help them to become better to work with dental schools to help dental schools, dental education in what they could do. And whilst I was working there, then uh, Danaher. Kev Ker, Danaher. Uh, I was at an idea meeting, and they came to me, and and they didn't have a school program. And I thought, wow, that's that's going to be pretty good. They have a lot of companies could do a lot of good work helping schools, education, and and bringing corporations together. That was a it was it was tough because it was a very big corporation, and generally, I've worked, I had worked with smaller companies, but I enjoyed it, and I, I hope. I just finished uh, with Danaher after 12, 13 years. Had a wonderful time. I learned an awful lot from some very, very smart individuals. Not many women, but uh, very, very interesting. And I think that that has taken me to my, you know, where I am today.
0: Which is, I am very excited to hear your new about your new venture, and I I think the audience would love to hear about it too. So. Why don't you share with us what you're going to be doing next?
1: So thank you. Uh, I am excited. I am actually decided through a guy who I talked to on an aeroplane who was young, no one from the industry. I mentioned I was going to be leaving Danaher, Kavoka and Vista, and um, he said, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "Well, you know, I'm going to find an, a, another job." And uh, essentially, I took early retirement but I don't want to retire, of course. He said, oh, you know, do your own thing. So I did. I decided I think I have a lot to to offer other companies, other corporations, and I'm doing a lot of eclectic work within the dental industry. I'm mentoring some people. I'm working with different companies. I'm in sales, marketing, but I'm also doing other creative work within the academic, education, mentoring arena, and I love it. And I don't know if I ever really go back to big, big corporations, but I work with them now. I can't mention who I'm working with because of uh, non-disclosures, but I'm working with some terrific people, some terrific companies. And I think I've arrived at this place because... I've always networked and talked to people and talked to people who perhaps are not directly involved in what I do, but you do it because you're interested and that takes you to a different place. So I would like to mention that my biggest thing is network, network, network. Don't be afraid, never give up, keep going. When you get knocked down and something doesn't work, Continue to network, just get back up, you know, move forward, talk to people, talk to anyone and everyone. If you're in a private practice, talk to your patients, because there might be something uh, that happens with patients, you know, with things that they can do for you or you can do for them. If If you're needing help, you should just talk to people. Also, don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Say, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Because two things happen. One, if somebody says to me, Barbara, can you help me? Like I'm like so excited that, that I can help someone. It brings me so much joy. And I usually say, sure, you know, what can I do? And, you know, really what you say is, yes, what do you need help with? And then you should say, but I'm, you know, like so over whelmed with the ask of help that I just say yes. So, you know, ask people for help. Mm-hmm. We're always ready to help. I know MJ, you are. I mean, if mm-hmm. I came to you, can, can you help me? You'd say yes. And then you'd think, oh, well, what does she want now? So it's really asking for help, networking, networking. Don't give up. Don't be afraid. And sometimes you do things that are not in your wheelhouse. Yep. So the wheelhouse, I like that. You see, that's modern language. So those are some of the things that I think have t- brought me to this place, which I've always loved my jobs. Wherever I have been, I have to tell everyone that I think I get up in the morning and I, it's not like, oh, I've got to work today. I don't think there's many times that I've thought that. Obviously a couple, but I get up and I think, oh, you know, I, don't, I love working and I love, I love working in dentistry. I love working in the dental industry. I adore all of the new students that are coming on board. They're so smart and they're they're so great at what they do. So I really, really enjoy what I do. I could never, ever jump out of dentistry.
0: Well, your passion certainly speaks for itself, whether somebody can see you on video or not, that is for sure. You know, you, you just exude... Exude passion. It's a such a refreshing thing to see in a in a person in our industry. You know, I have been so fortunate to meet some great people in my journey through academics, and and you're certainly one of the the, the favorites. So, you know, I have enjoyed getting to know you over the years, and the in the, the things you do do for all of us um, in the, the world of academia. So, I'm really thankful, very thankful that you have become such a great partner with all of us. So thank you for that.
1: Well, I love it. And um, you know there are times in your life when you have big knocks, really big knocks. And you know, a few years ago we lost our son. And if it was not, if it was not for the dental industry, I say this with my hand on my heart, that if it wasn't for people in academia, The dental industry, my corporation when I was working at the time, the people I worked with, you know that the dental industry gathers together and pulls together when somebody needs it. And I learned so much from that. I would not have been able to go on, I don't think. Uh, The dental industry, my younger son, Thomas, they pulled my husband and I through it and Obviously, we think about Alex every day, morning and night. But we we were able to live through that because of this profession, because of this industry. And for that, whoever's listening to this, I thank you all for bringing myself and my husband and Thomas, my son, through that very, very deep, the worst, the very worst time of my life. Nothing ever will happen again that would would even come close to losing our son Alex so for that I have to give back we have to give back we have to help people in our industry because we were helped and I think that that's a big key to yeah. also it's not the only key but it and that came only just six years ago five years ago mm. but still it's something that is a huge, huge reminder to us all that we need to help one another, be kind to one another, and just do things for each other that the smallest things can help someone. And we mustn't forget that. We mustn't forget that.
0: I think that during COVID, um, I recognize that one of the silver linings through all of this has been how amazing the industry has been in pulling together the amount of free information that people passed along to each other just to make sure that we all had level footing to be on and you know I have kind of equated COVID-19 to being in a constant earthquake where you're putting your hands in all the the spigots of water coming up from the ground that just seemed to keep popping up and you just can't keep ahead of it because everything is changing so quickly. But never in my my career have I seen the profession pull together as completely as as during this this past time. It's, It's a wonderful thing to see, absolutely wonderful thing to see.
1: Dentistry has been amazing in their comeback and their smart ideas and processes and programs. And also when the country here, and in other countries too, weren't really helping dentists, I don't think personally, just a personal opinion, as much as they could have done. And yet, again, dentistry, the dental profession, they did not give up. They soldiered through, they've shared information, they've helped their patients, they've helped their staff. We've helped one another, I think. And you're absolutely right, MJ. We have come through this with shining colors, actually. And for the younger generation to know that this is the profession that they're getting into, and they'll have lifelong friends, helpers, mentors, that it is, it is one of the very best professions that they could enter into at this time.
0: I agree. I agree with you 100%. I tell my students all the time not to worry. That, you know, this too shall pass. The AIDS epidemic was a huge crisis for us. It wasn't a pandemic, but it definitely was a crisis. And we all got through that. Then, you know, the collapse of uh, the 2009 stock market.
1: Oh, yes. We
0: all made it through that. You know, I think that there have been some trying times in in the last 100 years. And and we got through them all. So, you know, this too is just another event that, that we all have to You know, soldier on, like you said, I think that's a great uh, terminology to use, but we do have to soldier on and just keep on going. Just put your blinders on and just keep putting one foot in front of the other every single day. Absolutely. Exactly. Winston
1: Churchill was the never, 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 ever, never give up. And I think the dental profession has done that at this time. You know, we've not given up and we've Mm -hmm. all helped one another. So, and we've never had anything like this. I do think though, MJ, that this pandemic, as hard as it's been, it's recalibrated us a little bit. There are things that we do and we don't do. And we've learned to manage our lives a little bit differently. And I'm not so sure that isn't, it's not all bad.
0: No, it's great.
1: No, it's been great. And again, certainly it, in dentistry when you see dentists you know opening their doors and treating patients and finding every way that they can to be able to take care of patients I mean that's the passion and they care because you have your group of patients wherever you live where whoever you're working with or for you're still that your patients are like your family almost they certainly
0: they are. are absolutely I couldn't agree with you more
1: I think it's, it's, a, it's been a harsh time, but not, we've learned. We've learned. Again, learning every day how to be, or learning every day how
0: not, not to be. Not to be, absolutely. is
1: good, Is good.
0: So who has given you the best piece of advice in your career? Can you name anyone? I've learned so
1: much from so many people. My aunt, I told you, she was early stages when I was younger. When I first started with Bayer Dental, I can't say it's the best advice because I've had so many good gems along the way. I visited a guy, a dentist, we call them misters in England, Mr. Robinson, I knock on his head. it's my second day on the job. I've got my briefcase, I've got a smart suit on, you know, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to write a massive order because you know I'm gonna do really well. So I go in, and, you know, they're in houses, you know, a lot of big old Victorian houses in England. I go in and I knock on the "Ah, oh, Barbara from Bayer. It was a good ring to it. I go in, I said, oh yes, Mr. Robinson, we'll see you. So I go in the back where we always get a cup of tea, you know. So I go in the back and Mr. Robinson comes in and I start on my really well, you know, learned spiel of what we're going to do. And he goes, well, he goes, put those things away. So I'm going to tell you something, a bit of advice. He said, "You know what? You can come here any anytime you like. You can come in, pop in, have a cup of tea." He said, "Don't just come here when you need to sell something, when you need to reach a number, when the company you know wants to get to that level of sales. He said, "You just come here anytime." And I thought about that, and I've lived by that. I don't just go to a customer, a client, or see someone because I want something, or I need something, or my company wants me to do something. I I used to go into that office, I wouldn't say every week, but very, very often take cookies in and stuff. I love that guy. He had heaps of children. He was a good dentist. He was kind. He was good to his staff. And I learned from him. And I would... I never after that day, and I worked for a long time in the UK, went in with my briefcase or an order book or anything. I would just go in and nine times out of 10, I would come out and say, Barbara, you know, we need something. And I learned to have a very good memory. I, because I could, like a waitress, can remember all of the things, you know, that you order. So that was one really great great piece of advice for me about not doing something because you need it. Do it because you want to do it. Who's made the biggest impact? Um, I guess my father taught us from an early age to be loyal, uh, to be kind, to do things for others. I think that my childhood was the biggest impact because we have to struggle. My sister and I had to, we had to run the family. I think that um, what my dad did for us, he gave us all he had, but he didn't have a lot. And I, I do believe my upbringing probably impacted me the most to be, to, for all of those things, but to want a little bit more as well. I wanted to do more. You know, I, I wanted a better job. I really wanted a good job. I, I wanted to do well. I wanted to be a professional. And usually in the sixties, women would just leave school and go work in a shop, get married, have children. There's nothing wrong with that, but I didn't want that. So uh, I guess that process of having to do things ourselves when we were little, that made an impact. My first sales manager told me that, you know, you have a job to do, do it. Go for it, be dedicated, be passionate. That's where I learned my passion. So different people have taught me different things. And I think here in the United States, which you know really is my family here, people like um, Mike Alfano, Stanley Bergman. I always listen to Stanley Bergman from Henry Shine. He's been in Dental for a long time. He does all of the things that I've just mentioned. He gives back, he's a big company but he's he never forgets you you know i'm amazed he i don't see him very often he always remembers people's names i don't know how he does it i need to ask him that actually so many people have impacted my life my children are the best thing that i've ever done in my life honestly of course we love our husbands but for me those children have been amazing like i said thomas uh, now has carried us through some. He's grown into a fantastic young man. I hope I've had something to do with it, but I think it, his character has just shone through. I learn from him very often every day. I learn something from him, even if it's how to work a, some kind of equipment that I can't use, my telephone or whatever. Uh, so many people, MJ, I think, you know. There's a whole host of people, a lot of women in, in dentistry, um, in schools, uh, yourself, uh, Lily Garcia, Karen West, Marilyn Ward. I mean, I, I, you know, there's so many women that I've admired because, you know, I always wanted to be a dentist. So I admire you guys tremendously. I'm in awe of you. So, so many people, MJ. I, 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 I couldn't put my finger on just one person.
0: Now, your passion portrays confidence, but we always know that that it doesn't always go hand in hand. So I'm curious as to when you noticed that you were confident, and is this something that you learned over time or developed, or were you born that way? Because some women are born really confident, and I, I know it has something to do with their upbringing and their environment. But not necessarily, I would say the majority of women are not. So, you know, in in your case, what was it? What what do you think contributed the most to your confidence? So I'm not generally
1: confident. I was a uh, very active child, uh, more so than my siblings. So I think there is something in your DNA if you use it, because it could be in your DNA and you don't use it. But I gained confidence by watching other people, learning other people and that gave me confidence because as I said before, I was not a good student at school. I mean, I think I was always coming home with Barbara needs to concentrate more and all of this jazz. So, but I love people so much and I'm very social, even from an early age, that I would much rather talk to you in the classroom and find out what you're doing and learn from you than the teacher that's trying to teach me out of a book. So I'm a, really a student of life, I think. I had some of it in my DNA and I had the passion because I wanted to, to kind of do better. I wanted to have nicer things when I was younger and I really wanted to do well, so that came into it. And I just, I think you learn it. I learned from a lot of people, from all of the people that I mentioned, from when I would come to, to your school, Lonnie Norris, you know. Uh, he was, Dean Norris was, he was the first person I met at Tufts. And he saw me wandering around the, the hallway and he took me under his wing. He said, you don't know where you're going. I said, you're right at it. No idea where I'm going, and he took me around, and we became firm friends for a long time. But I learned from him, mm-hmm. I learned that
0: wonderful man,
1: well, oh, super, super guy. I mean, so I mean, we could spend two hours naming off super men and women in the industry that everybody should meet at, at some stage. So I think I wasn't a good student, I knew it, I felt I had to you know, get cracking and teach myself. I would listen to people, talk to people, ask questions. And I think I taught myself to be more confident. So yeah, a little bit of DNA, a lot of listening, a lot of making mistakes and just-
0: And learning from them, right? And
1: learning from your mistakes. Don't ever be afraid to make a mistake ever, ever. All mistakes can can be put right at the end of the day. And so, but again, it goes back to networking, talking to people, asking people, asking for help, being confident enough to ask for someone's help. It's so exhilarating when you talk to someone and and then you become friends and things happen from that. So, yeah, I I think I taught myself to be confident. For sure, I taught myself.
0: Excellent. Excellent. What is one thing that people would be surprised to know about you?
1: well I'm uh yes I saw that so I think uh they would be surprised that I'm I wasn't as confident as they may think I am Mm -hmm. that I don't like water I hate water I don't like water at all I don't like heights I am very scared of heights so if, if you go if you've ever been up the Eiffel Tower and you look down, I can't do that. I can't drive over a bridge where, where you can see the sides. I wind down the windows because in case I go over the edge and I have to jump in the water, which I hate, by the way. And so, so the strange thing is, though, I flew 110,000 miles last year. But I'm afraid of heights. But flying never, ever bothers me. But ask me to walk over a bridge and look down, oh my goodness, you'd think I was, you know, I was going bonkers, as we say in England. So yeah, I think they'd be
0: surprised at that. Absolutely. Have you can you recall an aha moment when you realized you were doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing?
1: Yes, I I do believe that when I gave up my dream, my school dream, I'm going to be a nurse, I'm going, I'm going into ophthalmology, and then when I, I realized that I was good at sales by working for Bayer Dental and doing very well, and also going into Birmingham Dental Hospital and talking to, talking to faculty uh, professors there, and that, that they were interested in what I could offer from Bayer and how I could help them and how I could bring them grant money and that sort of thing. I thought, this is how I'm going to help people. This is what I need to do. And so that was very early on in in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. And then I realized, I'm going to make a really special career out of working, taking care of a family and helping other people. Because if I, if I was helping schools, education, students, dentists, whatever, with the products that I was selling them to help their, their life and help their patients, I thought, that, that's admirable. I can do that. Absolutely. A personal motto or a mantra that you live by? Well, I, I've said it before several times. My Every day, I, I, I really do. You learn every day how to be... You learn every day how not to be. Not to be. That I, yeah. My children, my nephews, nieces, anyone that I actually speak. I, I, I really do, that is my mantra. That's what I live by. You just gotta, you know, you learn every day. You see some amazing stuff, good and bad every day. So that is my mantra,
0: yeah. Do you have a secret dream or a guilty pleasure that you wanna share with the audience?
1: I've always wanted to be a dentist. I've always wanted to be Dr. Nordquist. I always wanted that for, for really for my father to be proud, uh, for my family to be proud. We now have two doctors in our family. But uh, yeah, that's, that, was, that was my dream. I so wanted that. But in the aha moment, I felt that's gone away. So I am going to do, be the best that I can. I want to. What, what I'm doing. So, yeah, that's my, my secret. To-
0: so I'm going to share with you something that, that maybe you have never thought about before, but by you not doing that, you actually brought so much more joy to the world by doing what you do well.
1: Well, thank you. I, I think that too. I think if I had become a dentist, I would have stayed in England and I, I wouldn't have met so many Fabulous people in this country. I wouldn't have met Rob. My husband had two children. It would have all been different. So kind of sliding doors. I agree with you, MJ, that, ah, you know, I wasn't, I'm not a dentist, but I could almost be, I'm
0: almost a dentist. (laughs) You've been around us for such a long time. It probably has rubbed off and you understand the processes just as well as any one of us, I'm sure.
1: I, I do, and uh, I, I love, and I do love what I do. I'm very, very grateful. I feel I'm very, very lucky, even though we had the worst tragedy that I could ever, ever, ever have thought of and not wanted. I, I still think that I, we are lucky. We're very, very lucky, all
0: Absolutely. of us. Absolutely. Well, with that, I'm gonna say, thank you so much, Barbara, for your time. I am sure the audience has enjoyed our conversation just as much as I have and learning more about you. Thank you for everything that you do do, really. I know I said that early on in the in the show, but it is an amazing career that you've had. And I am so thankful that we, our, craft, our paths have crossed and, and that you've had a huge impact on Tufts, so thank you.
1: Well, likewise, uh, you've been so kind to me and good to me, and I've learned a lot from you over the years. and. Anyone can call me at any time. If they need
0: anything, I'll just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to say no sometimes. I hope, I hope someday I get it, but I haven't been very good at that either. So You're not. You always say yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.